Um, before we get going any further, the Lord kind of laid this on my heart um, as I was prepping and as I was preparing, you know, we were playing in the service and things like that. And I just want to acknowledge what we are part of here at The View. Um, each and every week, we have college students leading worship. We have college students leading prayer times and sharing their testimonies, as we heard Aliana about Jehovah Rohi. Um, we have college students getting baptized every single week, and I don't want us to miss that because at some churches, they don't see baptisms like we're seeing here at The View. And God is radically changing lives. He's radically changed my life, and I hope you, each and every person in this room, have experienced radical life changed by Jesus. Amen. So can we just make some noise for God tonight? Um, but I guess I need to introduce myself. My name is Dakota Tucker. I serve here as the College Guys MA, and I have the honor and the privilege to serve with a team that pushes me to Christ, obviously, from our pastor, Daniel Harris, our director, Jacob, and our College Girls MA, our newest addition to the team, Jasmine Dogood. Um, we are so excited that you guys are here. The View is a place we use this language of imperfect people worshiping the perfect God. And I don't know about you guys, but if your heart's not in the right place right after that worship, man, pray right now and get in the right place, because, man, the Lord is here tonight, and we are so excited that you are here tonight. And I, I just, I thought about this as I was prepping. You know, I remember in middle school and high school when we used to dread Mondays. I know my mom used to, like, drag me out of the bed to get me to school, middle school and high school. But now it's so cool that we get excited for Mondays. Why? Because we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I think that is so cool to be a part of. So if you're a first-time guest here, I want to address you guys. Y'all are some of the most important people that are in this room tonight. And uh, our team, we have a huge passion. I want to come down to you guys because I want to connect. I want to be on the same level as you guys. First-time guests are so important to us because I know the fears, the doubts, and the worries that you had about coming tonight. And the devil and so many other things could have kept you from coming tonight, but you still came tonight. And you've made the choice to come tonight, and we're so excited that you're here. So if you're a guest, we want to get to know you. We want to hear your testimony. We want to hear your story. Or if you don't have that story, we want to lead you to that story and what salvation is and what Jesus can do to you in your life. So just text GUEST to 901-833-7525, and you'll hear from staff this week. You'll hear from myself, Jasmine, Jacob, and Daniel. But also you'll hear from a college student tonight or in this week that will help you get plugged in and help you experience life change. Um, so I'm very, thank you guys for being here. Again, I'm, I can't say it enough. We're just so excited that you are here. And also, I don't know about you guys, but this sermon series has just blessed my heart. How about you guys? Has it blessed y'all's heart these last couple weeks? Absolutely, man. Walking through the names of God has changed my prayer life. It's changed how I've read the word as we talked about Elohim for two weeks. We talked about Jehovah. And then we went through the uh, other names of Jehovah, like Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rohi. And tonight we're going to finish it off and close it out with a very special name. Um, and it's very special to me because a year ago I got to teach on it, and here I am a year later, and I'm preaching on it. I'm very excited. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this at the top of your paper. It's Adonai, A-D-O-N-A-I, colon, the God who rules. Adonai, the God who rules. We're going to talk about things like ownership tonight. We're going to talk about how God should have rulership in your life and things like that. And before we get going, I want to just talk a little bit about what Adonai is. Where does this come from? Um, the name Adonai is found over 400 times in the Bible. And as I, as I read that and as I studied that, that means God should have a lot of ownership in your life if God is named as Adonai, the God who rules in the Bible over 400 times. Um, not only that, but Adonai comes from the singular word, Adon. 
And what that is, is it means which translates as master or ruler. God should be your master of your life. God should be the ruler of your life. And there's also a cultural background with this word. And it's associated with humanity and deals with masters who own slaves. But it doesn't only connote ownership. We're not only going to talk about ownership tonight. But within this name, there's a certain responsibility or a certain care and well-being of which that is owned. So if God owns you, God cares for you. The master was to provide for, to protect, to guide, and to maximize which he owned. And tonight we're going to talk about how God, if he's your Adonai, if he rules you, we're going to talk about how he protects you. We're going to talk about how he guides you. He's going to talk, we're going to talk about how he provides for you. And in Scripture we see this. Um, God is referred to in Scripture in the plural form as Adonai, um, and he's referenced to his owner. And in Psalms 97 we see that God is Adonai of the whole earth. And in 97 verse 9 it says, For you, Lord, are the most high over the whole earth. You are exalted above all the gods. That's incredible. But not only that, God is not only the creator God, as we heard about Elohim, but God is also Adonai, our owner. And we see that also in Psalms 50, verse 10. And it says, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. You see, God is possessive. He is, they are mine. And tonight we're going to talk about if you are God's, do you belong to God? And as I was studying, you know, I thought about this, and I came across this word, submission, came across this tight, um, this word surrender. And I said, submission becomes very powerful when you are submitting to an all-powerful Adonai God. And as I was going through and thinking through like a personal story, I thought about uh, my siblings. Anybody got siblings in here? A lot of us got siblings in here. I got two of my siblings up front right here, my older sister and my younger sister. Um, and also I have an older brother. And what's super cool about this is, y'all know siblings are a lot of fun, but they can also be very annoying. Amen. Amen. Um, and my sister's right up front. And I remember one thing, this is just funny. The one way to annoy my sister as a kid, we had like rolls at the dinner table. My brother would pour the glasses of milk. I'd get the napkins. Demi would get the forks. I could annoy Demi by just ripping her napkin a little bit, and she would want a new napkin. Or she had like a specific spot at the dinner table. If I tried to sit in her seat, she, oh my gosh, it was World War III in the Tucker household because that was her seat. She had ownership over that seat. And when, some, when somebody took her seat, she got upset. And tonight we're going to talk about if something other than God has ownership in your life, God's going to get upset. But I'm talking about my brother a little bit. Me and Dylan, we are used to wrestle. There will be a picture of me and my brother on the screen. And as you can see, he's a pretty big dude. I'm trying to get like that. I'm trying to get a little bit bigger than him. And he's three years older than me, and I've always had the courage for some reason to wrestle my brother. He's bigger than me. He's stronger than me. Some people say he looks better than me. I'll argue that one. Um, and I still had the courage to wrestle this guy for some reason. I don't know why, because I just, man, I was just like, if you want to go, let's get, let's get down. Let's do it. And this right here is an arm bar. Many of y'all have probably been in this position if you've wrestled, but many of you have not been in this position. And if you haven't been in this position, this is free advice. Do not get in that position. Me and my friends, I had a buddy, a high school best friend. His name's Xavier. We'd wrestle Dylan two-on-one. And he would somehow still get both of us in this position, both of us. I'm telling you, me and Xavier combined were 300, 350 pounds. My brother was only like 200, and he's still kicking our butts. In this position right here, as you can see, the guy with the red gloves on, he has all control of my man in the blue shorts. Poor guy. And you see the face that he's making. 
Dylan's legs and calves, Dylan got big legs, his calves would be on my cheek and on my jaw, and he would have full control of my shoulder. He would have it every which way I would try to turn and rip, it would cause more pain on my shoulder, it would cause more tension on my arm, and I'd be hurting myself more. And as I was studying, as I was prepping, I thought about this. All I had to do to get out of this painful position was, was tap. I had to, and that's called submit. Basically, my brother got a submission, and, he's, um, and I submitted to my brother. But when I submitted to my brother, when I surrendered to my brother, he would let go of me. All the pain would leave my arm. All the pain would leave, and the tension would leave, and I was okay. And tonight, we're going to talk about if you submit and surrender your whole life to God, you'll be okay. Because many of us have battles going on. Many of us have worries going on. Many of us have, many of us have insecurities that, are, we're, that we are fighting on our own. But can I tell you, college students, if you submit those to the feet of Jesus, all, those, all that pain will be taken away because that's why Jesus died on the cross for us. And so as, as I was looking through that, I just I thought about that, and I was very encouraged by that because I was thinking we are going to talk about submission and surrender tonight, two things that some of us struggle to do and some of us have never done. But, man, before we hop up in the Word, we'll be in Exodus 4, verses 1 through 17. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into the Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good, Lord, and I thank you for this time, God. I thank you for so many college students that came out to worship you to hear a word from you, God. These are your words, not mine, God. Lord, would you rip open the heavens? Would you rip this roof off and come down and meet with us tonight, God? Lord, be in every word that I say, God. And Lord, would college students surrender their hearts and their lives to you tonight, God? Lord, it's in Jesus' name. Amen. And so like I said, so we'll be coming out of Exodus 4 tonight, a very fun passage. And I'll begin reading in verses 1, and I'll read through verse 9. And the Bible says, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me and will not obey me, but say, the Lord did not appear to you? The Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A staff, Moses replied. Throw it on the ground, he said. So Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. The Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. This will take place, he continued, so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. In addition, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his hands was diseased, resembling snow. Put your hand back inside your cloak, he said. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, it had become like the rest of his skin. If they will not believe you and will not respond to the evidence of the first sign, they may believe the evidence of the second sign. And if they don't believe even these two signs or listen to what you say, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. And as I was studying coming across this, Moses, number one, had to remember God is Adonai. Number one, remember God is Adonai. And we have to do this in our own personal life. In chapter 3, to take a backtrack a little bit, Moses, we see he just got the calling of his life. Moses got called to lead the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. And for anybody, that's a pretty intimidating calling. And I know many of us in our life, we have intimidating callings. Um, and in verse 1, we quickly see how Moses is feeling and how he responds. And I want to talk about, as I was studying, we come across five excuses. Moses gives God five excuses 
why he can't do what God's called him to do. And we see the first one in Exodus 3, verse 11, and that says, But Moses asked God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And then quickly after, two verses later, in verse 13 of chapter 3, this is Moses' second excuse. He says, Then Moses asked God, If I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What should I tell them? And we see Moses ask this question of what if they don't believe me? It's kind of like a rhetorical question. Um, but the crazy thing about this is back in chapter 3, God assures Moses that they will believe him. It's, it's crazy. When we ask God questions, we typically ask him questions we already know the answers to, right? And God has already assured Moses that they will believe him. Exodus 3 verse 18 says this, they will listen to what you say. That's, and Moses is still asking these rhetorical questions. Then you, along with the elders of Israel, must go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I thought about this. As college students, we fall into the same trap. We love to ask questions that we already know the answers to. It's, I, I think Moses is like this. Moses is hoping if he asks the question enough times, God will change his answer. It's not how God works. Verse 2, we see God asks Moses a question himself. So now it's time for God to ask questions. God asks Moses, what is that in your hand? And we see Moses has a staff in his hand. And at this point, God's response to the hypothetical situation of Israel rejecting that God appeared to him resulted in three different signs. We saw that in verses 3 through 9 and following. And the first one was being Moses would throw a staff on the ground and the staff would become a snake, but then he would grab it by the tail and it would become a staff again. I don't know about you guys, if I throw a staff on the ground, it's not turning into a snake for me unless God does it. Um, and then we see in verse 5, God gives, the Mo God gives Moses the reasons behind these signs. In Exodus 4, verse 5, it says this, This will take place, he continued. So that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. This will take place, he continues, so that they will believe. It doesn't stop there, though. Verse 6, we see the second sign. God tells Moses to put his hand inside his cloak, and when he does this and takes it out, his hand was diseased, resembling snow. That put a weird image in my head. Um, but then... He puts his hand back inside his cloak, and it becomes like the rest of his skin. And same way with the first sign, the second sign. I'm not putting my hand inside my pocket, and it's still like the rest of my skin. It's not getting diseased, but God is doing these things. But not only that, it doesn't stop there. This is crazy. God says if they don't believe the first sign, maybe they'll believe the second sign. But if they don't believe the second sign, hey, Moses, I'm going to give you a third sign. And many times in our life, when we ask for signs from God, I'm telling you, he gives them clearly to us, but we just choose to ignore them. But if they don't believe this second sign, God will give Moses a third sign. And that is to take from the Nile the water, and he pours it on the ground, and it becomes blood on the ground. And no matter what situation Moses faced, God had sufficient resources to authenticate his man, and Moses was not to think otherwise. College students, when you rely on the Lord, when you're in his word, when you're praying, when God is your Adonai, when he gives you the signs, you can trust those things. You can submit to that because he wants to provide for you. He wants to take care of you. And I said, college students, can I encourage you with something? No matter how big you think your insecurity is, what you have to remember is your God is bigger. No matter how big you think your insecurity is, what you have to remember is your God is bigger. Every time we give God a reason why we can't, he will always give us a reason why he can. 
our list of reasons why we can't will not trump the reason why God can. The same God that Moses relied on is the same God we rely on today, guys. And I think that that's so comforting to me because I know, like I said at the beginning, we battle insecurities. We battle worries and anxieties and fears and things like that. But this is, this is what we hold on to right here. This is what we trust right here. We hold on to this. But the question is, how do we treat this? Do we truly and really believe that this is the written word of God and this is what we're supposed to stand on? Because if we're not at that place, our, inse- our insecurities are going to kill us. Our insecurities are going to beat us and beat us and beat us. But if you give them over to the Lord, the Lord takes those because he covers you in his blood and we're made right in God's eyes. God may be calling some of you to different things in your life and all you have been doing is giving excuse after excuse after excuse. You're honestly giving like a laundry list of excuses, and God's kind of like, you done yet? When Jesus is your Adonai, he will shut down all of the excuses that you have. And at the end of the day, this kind of hit me in the face, but excuses don't excuse us from what God has called us to do. Excuses do not excuse us from what God has called us to do. And I thought about a time um, I played basketball, And as many athletes do, when coach gets on to us, we like to give excuses. And many of you know Daniel. uh, Our relationship, our friendship, we started in basketball. He coached me in 8th grade um, and 11th grade in my high school days. And I met him when I was 13, and he was 18 years old. And many of you have probably heard this story about my free throw and how I was passive-aggressive and all these different things like that. Well, guys, it's my turn to tell my side of the story. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very excited. <laughs> um, I remember I was, a, I was a 16-year-old kid. I was, a, I was a sophomore. I played football and basketball at Barlett High School. And I'll, I'll be honest, Daniel's right at the beginning. I was breaking a lot of free throws. Daniel says that you couldn't throw the ball into the ocean from a boat. It was bad. It was brick after brick after brick. And I was just like, I don't remember. I used to hit this. I'll be honest. He's going to like when I say this. I used to hit this. Man, I used to smack my lips. That man, when I I, I still struggle with that today. I still struggle with that today. And Daniel kind of has to grab me by the shirt. What'd you just say? No, nothing, coach. Nothing. Um, but I remember in this moment, he he was my coach. So I remember in this moment, as I was missing free throw after free throw, um, I had to remember who coach was to me. And I remember him approaching me. And he, I remember this is a small lesson. I remember he said, Dakota, if you're going to sob after every miss, you better celebrate every make. Let me tell you something. I'm 16-year-old Dakota. I made a couple free throws. Woo! I, did. I, have, I have it on video. It's pretty funny. Um, but what I do remember is that coach, since I was under him, he was the authority in my life. So coach gave me all the things I needed to do to succeed at making my free throws. So what I did was I had two options. I could either keep giving coaches, my coach excuses or I could listen to what he has to say because at the end of the day, Coach Daniel being my authority in my life, all he wanted to do was see me succeed and help me get better. I had to remember who Coach was to me, and I, he wanted to help me. In this moment, my excuses about why I was missing free throws, the excuses that I kept giving him, I could either listen to him or keep, give, keep giving him excuses. And college students, I thought about this. If you want success in what God has called you to do, all you have to do is submit to his authority. All we have to do is submit to God's authority. And when I let coach take control of my form, when I let coach take control of my free throw, he still tells me it today when we go play pickles sometimes. He said, Dakota, you got to bend your knees, elbow in, and then hand in the cookie jar. And I'm telling you, when I started making free throws, I got to celebrate that because 
God, coach was my authority, and God is your authority in your life. And when you let God take control of your life, when God is in full control of your life, when he's in full control of your decisions, he will start knocking down battles and walls in your life that you couldn't do on your own. He'll take those insecurities away from you. He'll take those worries away from you. He'll take those anxieties away from you. But all you have to do is lay them at the feet of Jesus and say, God, these are yours. You've taken them from me. And so we'll keep, we'll keep reading and keep going through Exodus 4. We're going to pick up in verse 10. And I'll read, I'll read right here, Exodus 4, verses 10 through 13. And it says, But Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent either in the past or recently or since you have been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. The Lord said to him, Who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf? Seeing or blind, is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Moses said, please, Lord, send somebody else. Not only do we have to remember God is Adonai, but number two, we have to recognize God is Adonai. We have to recognize God is Adonai. And here in these verses, in verse 10, this is the first time Moses recognizes God is Adonai. But we also see Moses give his fourth objection. Like I said, he gave his first three in Exodus, his first excuses in Exodus 3. And now we see his fourth one here in Exodus 4. And Moses starts by telling God that the one thing he has asked him to do, he simply cannot do. Moses doesn't feel qualified to go before Pharaoh on God's behalf. Moses, does, Moses thinks he needs perfect speech or maybe a college degree to do what has been asked of him. Anything that would build his credibility, Moses thinks he needs that. Moses doesn't think he possesses the natural gifting to do what God has asked him to do. Anybody else been there? You think you need certain credibility or certain skills and talents, and you don't naturally possess what God has given you to fulfill what God has called you to do? Anybody? I have. I've been there plenty of times. But God has called you to do something, and instead of following an immediate obedience, you give God a laundry list of cannots like we talked about early, earlier. Essentially, in this mo moment, Moses is doubting the call God has placed on his life. And in this moment, Moses has two options. Either he's going to let insecurities rule his heart, or he's going to let the Adonai God rule his heart. In college students tonight, I want to ask us a question. Are we letting insecurities rule our heart, or are we letting the Adonai God rule our heart? Because at the end of the day, that's the question you have to answer when God has called you to something. Are you going to let all the reasons why you can't keep you from what God's called you to do? Or are you going to say, all right, God, you are my Adonai. You rule my heart. You rule my life. And you are going to do this through me. And I thought about another guy as, as I was studying, as I was cross-referencing. Cross-referencing. That's a tongue twister. Um, another guy who had many insecurities was a guy named Jeremiah, another Old Testament guy. And he got, a, he got the call of his lifetime as well. He was to go to, to the people of Jerusalem and call, her out, call them out for their sin. It's pretty intimidating. But hey, as us, as believers, if you see somebody living in sin, if you see a fellow brother or sister living in sin, we're called to call them out too. And that's intimidating, but you're supposed to do it in truth and love. And then Jer Jeremiah responds just like Moses did. And we'll see this in Jeremiah verses one, uh, ver chapter 1, verse 6. Excuse me. And Jeremiah said, But I protested, Oh no, Lord God, look, I don't know how to speak since I am only a youth. Moses says he doesn't know how to speak because of his eloquence. And then Jeremiah says he doesn't know how to speak because of his youth. We'll keep reading in Jeremiah 1.7. We see God shut down that response as well. Jeremiah 1.7 says this, Then the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth. 
For you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. God would not let him use his age as an excuse, but instead he told him he would provide for him. He would provide for him everything that he needed to say. And in Jeremiah 1.9, we see this is, this is one of my favorite verses right here, and I pray it over every time I speak. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. College students, if God didn't let Moses use his speech as an excuse and didn't let Jeremiah use his age as an excuse, I guarantee each one of us don't have a good enough excuse to keep us from what God has called us to do. It doesn't matter if it's fear. It doesn't matter if it's doubt. It doesn't matter if you didn't grow up as a Christian. It doesn't matter if you grew up as a Christian. Whatever God is calling you to do, whatever excuses you are giving them, it's not good enough. Would you submit to God as your Adonai? Would you let God rule your heart and rule your life tonight? What Moses has to realize is that God is in charge. And as dressing, we see Moses address God as Adonai. And in this, we see that he realizes God is in charge. And as addressing God as Adonai, in this, he's respectfully communicating his timidness. And we, see, we clearly see that Moses is timid in his excuses and how he responds to God. But Moses is so focused on what he can't do that he's not thinking about what God can do. Moses is so focused on what he can't do, he's missing what God can do. And, it, and I say, when you focus on your insecurities more than God's abilities, you'll miss what God can do through you. When you focus on your insecurities more than God's abilities, you'll miss what God can do through you. That struck, that struck a chord in my heart. I don't know about you guys. And I was studying, um, Tony Evans says this right here. God can give you supernatural ability to do what you can't do naturally. Think about that. God can give you supernatural ability to do what you can't do naturally. And I'm be honest, guys. There is nothing like experiencing God himself doing something through you that you don't have the background, the experience, or the gifting to do on our own. And as I was thinking through this, this and I've experienced this in my life, and I imagine many of you have experienced this in your life. But God will call us to things we can't do on our own so that when he does it through us, we can't take any of the glory, but he is given all the glory. And what's cool is about the Bible is you see Moses call all these different people who say they can't, they can't, they can't, because he breaks them down. He takes them to the point of they have to realize, you're right, I can't do it on my own, but God, you can do it through me. And God doesn't need the biggest people, the, the strongest people, the baddest people. God needs the, hum, the most humble people. God needs the most faithful people. God needs the people who love Jesus the most. And my question for you college students tonight is where are you at? Are you in, in, that, in that category of just giving God can'ts? Or are you in that category of humility saying, God, I understand why I can't, but I understand that you can. It's a tough question. I have to ask that question to myself every single day. And it's hard to walk through that, but it's a, reflect, it's a reflecting question, and it will help you grow in your walk in the Lord when you ask that. And just another, I'm asking you guys a lot of questions. I'm sorry, but it's just these are a lot of reflecting questions that I ask myself on a daily basis. What is God calling you tonight? And you're not listening to him. You're turning from Think about that. And I didn't, I didn't have this in my notes, but I want you to write this down after you write that question out, what is God calling me to in my life? I want you to write the answer down. And you don't have to share with anybody. You don't have to tell anybody. But whatever God is calling you to in your life, I encourage you to pray about it and seek scripture through it. Seek godly counsel about it. Because when you do things like that, then you'll see God's calling unfold in your life. Moses may not know how in the world this plan may play out, 
But one thing that he does know is that Adonai is in charge. Here's the problem. Many people are content with other names of God. We're okay with God being Elohim. We're okay with him being the creator of the world. We heard Jacob preach on Jehovah Jireh, and we love for God to provide for us. Man, when, when God comes up big in our life, we praise God. We thank you, God. But when it comes to God being our Adonai, and God owns us and rules us, ooh, kind of, God, I don't want that from you, man. You can keep providing for me, but I don't want you to own my life. It's kind of hypocritical, isn't it? When we want all the favor from God, excuse me, let me reset it. We want all the favor from God without following through with God. And that's a bad place to be in. When you want the favor from God, but you don't follow through with what God has called you to do. You want to see God really move in your life? Let God be the master, the ruler, and the owner of your life. And as simply as I can put it tonight, let God be your Adonai. If God rules your life, he will drastically change your life. But for God to be your Adonai, we must first truly surrender. And when God is your Adonai and Jesus is your Lord, his word has the final saying. That's the best definition of surrender, of submission I could give you tonight, is when God's word has the final say in your life. Not people, not what you think, not what other people think, but when God, what does the word of God say about this decision? When you go to that and that has the final decision in your life, that's what true surrender, that's what true submission looks like in your life. And in verse 11, we see that the Lord responds to Moses with the reminder that shuts down all insecurities. God asked Moses the question of, who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? God had to remind him, like, hey, Moses, I, I made you. I, I think I know you, you're not speaking that well, but hey, I made you. Psalms 94.9 says this, can the one who shaped the ear not hear and the one who formed the eye not see? And in verse 12, we see God commands Moses to go. God, being the one who rules, will help him speak and teach him what to say. And in Matthew 10, verses 19 and 20, Jesus encourages disciples of the same thing. This is, I love this verse right here. It says, But when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you are to speak, for you will be given what to say at that hour, because it isn't you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father is speaking through you. With God's response to Moses, we are reminded that when we are incapable to fulfill God's calling, if we would recognize him as Adonai, he can make us fully capable. And Tony Evans wrote this right here, and this is probably, many of us have probably heard this, but it's probably one of the most simple things that you could walk away with tonight. God always doesn't call the equipped, but he always equips the called. Like I said, like I said earlier, God doesn't need the biggest, the strongest, the baddest Christians. God needs the most humble Christians. God needs the most prayerful Christians. God needs the most Jesus-fearing, Jesus-loving Christians. And you'll, you'll see God move in your life. You'll see fulfillment in your life. And in verse 13, we see Moses give his fifth objection, asking Adonai again, please send somebody else. And right here, we'll finish. I'll continue through the passage in verses 14 through 17. I'll continue to read, and it says this right here. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, Isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and also he is on the way to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him and tell him what to say. I will help both of you and him to speak, and I will teach you both what to do. He will speak to the people for you. He will serve as a mouth for you, and you will, <clears throat> and you will serve as God to him. And take this staff in your hand that you will perform the signs with. Not only do we have to, number one, remember God is Adonai. Number two, 
recognize God as Adonai. But number three, what we have to do in our personal lives, we have to respond to God as Adonai. Number three, we have to respond to God as Adonai. And Moses is continuing to make excuses. We see his excuses all through chapter 4 tonight. And at this point, it has become unreasonable resistance against God's will. Verse 14, we see the Lord's anger burn against Moses. So God begins to show the resources around him. He starts with his brother Aaron. God, God's getting a little upset with Moses because it's just objection after objection after objection. And this shows that we get our emotions from God. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I get angry here and there. I know some of you guys, y'all probably get angry here and there. Um, but we have to interpret this anger correctly. One, yes, this shows that we get our emotions from God. But right here, this isn't God just losing all control and like just slapping Moses or anything. But what it is, it's, Mo, it's God showing Moses his firmness and his seriousness on his call for Moses' life. And that's the same way it is for us. God will show his firmness and his seriousness for what he has called us to do. And what we have to remember is that when God shows his anger, it comes from a place of holiness. When we show our anger, it comes from a place of unholiness. I, I don't know about you guys. When I get angry, I get a little hot-headed and I lose control. But God right here, he, he's coming from a place of holiness because he, wants, he just wants Moses to submit to him, surrender to him, and complete what he has called him to do. When we get angry... It's typically from a place of unholiness. And God knew he could speak. God knew his brother Aaron could speak well and sent him to meet Moses. Verse 15, Moses is to tell Aaron what to say, and the Lord will help both of them with what to say and with what to do. And Aaron is to serve as the mouth for Moses, and Moses will serve as God to Aaron. And at the end of Exodus 6 and the beginning of 7, Moses asked the question of how Pharaoh will listen to him because of his poor speech. Again, Moses just keeps going back to his insecurities about his poor speech, about what he can't do. In Exodus 7, verses 1 and 2, we see this right here. See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, will be your prophet. You must say whatever I command you. Then Aaron, your brother, must declare it to Pharaoh so that he will let the Israelites go from this land. Verse 17, Moses is commanded to take the staff with him so that he's able to perform these signs. And Moses gave all of the excuses and all the reasons why he couldn't and almost forget the one reason why he would. College students, let's think about this tonight. When Moses confessed God is Adonai, Moses was empowered to lead an entire nation from slavery. Can I ask you the question, if you submit to God as Adonai, what could he do in your life? And for me, I think back to my testimony. I think about my story. I, I didn't grow up in a Christian household. I didn't grow up going to church or anything like that. But what I do remember is I grew up just, it was all about me. You know, I played I played football, I played basketball, my identity, it was, it was so caught up in how good or bad I played. If I played bad, I couldn't sleep, but if I played well, I felt like, on to, I, felt like I was on top of the world. Um, and it, as I got into middle school and as I got into high school, I got caught up in things like marijuana and the drug scene and things like that. I was in ungodly relationships and things like that. And I just, I just kept going through the motions. I kept going through the motions. And when everything, when things got rough in my life, I ran to money. I, used to, I loved money in high school. I was, I was a high school football player working 50 hours as a busboy. Newsflash to me now, Dakota, you didn't make that much money as a busboy, and you just busted your tail for nothing. Um, and as I went through high school, like I said, my identity was wrapped up in money, was wrapped up in my friends, was wrapped up in sports and things like that. And I had two people in my life that really 
I saw change in their life, and I knew something was going on in their life. One of my high school buddies, one of my childhood friends, his name is Aziz, I played football with him from fifth grade all the way to 11th grade, and he got saved our 10th grade year, and his life just drastically changed. I mean, Aziz from middle school football to Aziz to high school football was two different Azizes, and it was cool because he started to share Jesus with me and things like that. And I went to church with him here and there, but I'm... My excuse every week was, man, it's full of hypocrites, man. These people don't really love Jesus, so I shunned it. I turned my back from it, and I didn't go back until, like I said, I met Daniel when I was 13 years old, and he was 18 years old, and we were both lost at this time. And I remember after my eighth grade season, after we finished playoffs, he called me. He said, hey, Dakota, you want to come play basketball with me and my friend Zay? And I said, sure, man, let's do it. Let's go play ball, man. And over the years, here I am now at 21 years old, over the years, God took that basketball, that coach-player relationship and mended it into something very special. Because when I'm, Daniel, he took me under his wing. And again, we were lost at this point. My ninth grade year um, and my 10th grade year, we were both still lost. And he continued to train me in basketball. All I wanted to do was play varsity basketball and go to college ball. And, you know, as a kid, I wanted to play NBA basketball, but that quickly got shut down. But 11th grade year, Daniel got saved. I'll never forget it. And y'all have heard Daniel's testimony of change and how God has radically shaped his life and called him to be our pastor here at The View. But my 11th grade year, Daniel got saved. And not only that, but God moved him from middle school basketball and placed him in high school basketball. And he started to coach me in high school ball. And I began, Daniel began to share Jesus with me and talk about who Jesus was and what he did for us and how we saved. He came down. He left the throne of heaven. He came down. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never lied. He never stole. He never gave God excuses. And that he died on the cross for our sins. And that he was put in a tomb for three days. And not only that, but God raised him up from the grave three days later, conquering our sin, conquering the grave, and conquering hell. And I said, I said, Coach, it's cool, but what's that got to do with me? And I just I kept pushing, I kept pushing it off. And I'll never forget, praise, <laughs> Daniel is one of the most persistent guys in my life, and I'm so thankful for it because he comes to me. I had just graduated high school, and he says, Dakota, I want you to come to Beach Week. And Beach Week is a high school summer camp here at Bellevue, and I knew exactly what it was about. And I told Coach, I said, Coach, I'm, I'm not going, man. That's with the high school ministry at Bellevue. I've experienced that. I don't want any part of that. Let me tell you this man's persistence. A week later, he comes to me and says, Dakota, I got you the scholarship. You can go to Beach Week for free. It's an 18-year-old kid. I'm like, oh, snap, I'm going to go to the beach for free? And so, I, I, you know, so I, I went. I went. And let me tell you all something. This is how selfish I am. This is how selfish I was, and I still am. At 18 years old, my mind and my heart was, oh, I'm going to the beach for free. I had no intentions and no idea what was going to happen at this Beach Week. And I'll never forget the speaker. He said something that still runs through my mind every single day. And he said, people will twist scripture to fit their lifestyle. And I remember what's so crazy about this is, again, when I was in the smoking weed world and stuff like that, I asked my buddies that I used to smoke with, I said, fellas, do y'all think we're doing anything wrong? And they said, no, nah, Decode, man, we're just, we're just smoking, playing the game a little bit. We could, we could be going out partying and getting drunk, but we're just staying at the house. So they tried to take what we're doing and not make it look as bad as what other people are doing. And I'll never forget when I heard that. I rose my hand. I gave my life to Jesus. I got baptized that week just like we saw Chloe do tonight. I went public with my faith, and Jesus radically changed my life. But it doesn't stop there. From July 2017 to December of 2017, basically my whole first semester of college, I didn't have godly community. I was, I was still living in sin. 
I was still struggling. I was still trying to figure it out. And I remember Daniel was still, he walked me through this whole process. And with, uh, with us, when we're living in sin, I don't know about you guys, but I hid that. When I, when I got saved at Beach Week in 2017, when I came back home and started falling into sin again, I tried to hide it from Daniel because I didn't want to disappoint him. But the crazy thing about it is at the end of the day, he wanted to help me. He wanted to love me. And he, wanted to, he just wanted to tell me, Dakota, God still sees that. You just have to give it to him. You have to submit to him. And I remember uh, January of 2018, I remember, Dan, again, Daniel just showing his persistence. I'll backtrack. November 2017, he said, Dakota, I want you to come be a part of The View. And I said, Coach, what's going on, man? I do not want to be a part of this, man. And he said, come on, man, just be, come be a part of The View. And I remember January of 2018, I, got, I became a part of The View consistently. I mean, I was there every single Monday night. I didn't miss a beat. And I'll, I'll never forget walking around The View one day after Daniel and Adam had showed me around. And they left. They went back to work. And I was just walking around it. And I said, God, it's time to get serious with you. And from there on, from January 2018, I got discipled. I had a guy walk me through the Bible, teach me how to read, teach me how to pray, teach me how to memorize scripture. And I began to learn how to pray. And over and over all this time, God radically changed my life. And it's because I submitted to the Adonai God. I surrendered my life to God. And Jesus changed that. But it doesn't stop there. What's cool is God quickly called me to full-time ministry. And what that looks like is it was October of 2018. And this disciple Bible right here, I've been using this Bible since 2018. It's got some wear and tear on it. It's pretty nice. Um, I remember the very first time I read 1 Samuel 3. This is another guy who got, got called by God to do something. And what he prayed was he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I have the date right here. I was praying through my career choice. I was at Southwest back in 2018. I was pursuing nursing. And like I said, back in high school, I loved money. I was doing nursing just for money, just for money. I was trying to chase a paycheck. But that wouldn't fulfill me. Money won't fulfill you. All these things of the world, cars, fame, and things like that, that won't fulfill you. We, we talk about it every single week. We see all these celebrities. It seems like they have everything going on for them in the world, yet they're still missing something. And I wrote this right here. I said, where is God calling me in my life? In my prayer life, I must not only answer, but I have to listen first. I must pray, Lord, speak for your servant is listening. And I wrote in parentheses right here. I wrote career choice, October 10th, 2018. And I asked God the question of, what do you want me to do, Lord? And quickly, February 2019, fast forward, our missions pastor, Ben Taylor, came and preached at The View. And he, he preached on Paul and preached on his calling as well. And I'll never forget the thing he said. He said, your calling must be gospel-centered. And that slapped me in the face. That shook me, that shook me up a little bit. Your calling must be gospel-centered. And that's the night I surrendered my life to full-time ministry. I knew I wasn't doing nursing for the right reasons. I knew I wasn't doing physical therapy for the right reasons. I'm telling you guys, I ran and I ran and I ran from what God called me to do. And quickly, fast forward to October of 2019, or even, I'll go a month prior, September 2019, Daniel, he had just accepted and got called to be the pastor here at The View. And he comes to me, he said, Dakota, I want you to be my college MA. And the first, I kid you not, I had just got hired at Huey's. The first thing I told Daniel was no. Because of doubt, because of fear, because of insecurities in my life. And Daniel really told me, he challenged me, he said, Dakota, you need to go home and pray about this. Because if you don't do what God's calling you to do, you're being disobedient. And I almost stayed away from what God was calling me to do because of insecurities. 
And so I prayed through it, and I finally realized what God was calling me to do, and I got hired. I got hired here as the college guys in May, October 1st, 2019. And quickly, quickly this, this past year, now it's October 2020, it's been a heck of a year. It's been a crazy year for me personally, and I know for all of you personally as well. I'm sitting here preaching on the God who rules, the God who rules my life. And the question I want to ask you college students tonight, does God rule your life? And as we talked about, you know, we talked about Jehovah a few weeks ago, the relational God. Many of us can't call on God as Adonai because we don't know God as Jehovah. We don't have a relationship with him. So I'm going to invite the band back up. I'm, y'all can put y'all stuff away, and I'm just going to put us in a posture of prayer real quick. And just I want to talk through some things with you guys as y'all put y'all stuff away. Many of us don't know God as Adonai because we don't first know him as Jehovah. And I want to ask you guys the question of do you have a relationship with Jesus? Like I shared a few minutes ago, Jesus came down from heaven. He lived the perfect life. He never sinned. He never told a lie. And with that, he loved us so much that he was willing to die on the cross for us. He knew what he was called to do while he was here on earth. He died on the cross for my sin and for your sin because he loved us. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I've fallen short many times. I've messed up many times. But with Jesus, with his shed blood, he covers me in his righteousness. He covers me in his blood, and he gives me his grace. And it doesn't stop there. When Jesus died on the cross, they took him off the cross. They put him in a tomb, and they left him there for three days. God said, I'm not going to leave my son dead. I'm going to raise him up from the dead and bring him back to life, conquering sin like we talked about, conquering the grave, conquering your insecurities, and ultimately conquering hell, giving me and you an option, an opportunity to have eternal life with him in heaven.